This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, Now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Boone, and today on the program, I'm joined by a five-time Pro Bowler. Four times he was an All-Pro. Rookie of the Year in 1973, and he's a member of the Minnesota Vikings Ring of Honor. Ladies and gentlemen, Chuck Foreman. Chuck, thanks for coming on the program. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, I love I love when we get when we get uh, I get a break from from the typical baseball player. I love. Don't get me wrong. I love the game of baseball. I love what I did for a living. But uh, I love okay, right now. I understand who you are. Don't, I'm sorry. I said Brett Boone. I mean, I, the baseball player, right? The baseball player, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, anyway, I mean, now we're po- now we're podcasting. I went for baseball. Well, yeah, well, no, you know, the Boons, you know, they got great reputation. Um, I appreciate that, and and it's interesting to me. You probably get a lot of the same questions mm-hmm. that I get walking around. We played in different generations. You're kind of my my dad's generation. He broke into the big leagues in 1972, and he played through the 70s and the 80s. Right. Right. Uh, so you played at similar times. Right. But we probably all as athletes, even though we're in different arenas, we we probably get the same questions. And I'm sure I, I'm just interested if, if mm-hmm. you get the same ones. And it's how has the game changed to when you play? It, obviously, it was much different when you played when even when I played in the 90s right. and the in the 2000s. But right. uh, what's the most common question you get from from NFL and sports fans? Well, my. I think the rules definitely have changed. I think uh, um, in my time, um, especially offensively, you know, the holding was like a big issue. Now they hold every play. Um, I think everything about about the game when I played has has changed. Uh, Certainly it's safer, I think, with the rule changes they have. But the thing that the rule changes have done is inflated statistics. So, you know, you, you get a guy that catches in today's game 100 and some passes a year. <clears throat> and then, you know, I'm not saying he's not a great player, but he leapfrogs the other great players because he had that many catches, but not taken into consideration in, a, in different, in my era, you know, <laughs> cornerbacks could jump on you 
And when they shut you down, they shut you down because they could be more physical. You may not even get off the line of scrimmage if you didn't have the skill set to get away from that line of scrimmage. So even though a guy might have 109 catches a game, I'm just saying there's a season or something like that. But in my time, if you had 57 catches in a season, you were you were big time. Uh, so I think the statistics uh, in today's game <clears throat> kind of like – I think it's over-exaggerated because that doesn't make the player. Yeah, and it, it, you're right because because of how it's changed from a physical right. level in your right. game. Right. That's why I think it's, you know, at the end of the day, when we're comparing, it, it's really right. tough right. to compare generations to right. generation. I had a grandfather that played. Mm-hmm. And uh, grandpas are grandpas. That's right. what they are. That's why they're great. But he always used to talk about his generation mm-hmm. and mine. And I would say Gramps, they're mm-hmm. really not comparable. It's different. It's right. different now. Right. I would assume one day when I'm a grandpa, my mm-hmm. grandkids are going to be going, Grandpa, it's different now than when you played. I'd say you're right. Right. And that's why I think we have to keep it kind of in a capsule. Each mm-hmm. generation to right. who are the greatest players of their generation. Exactly. I you know, you. it's it's tough to compare right. a a 1950s lineman right. to a, a 2023 line. It's just apples and oranges. Do you right. agree with that? Yeah, I agree with you hundred um, percent. I, um, a while back, you know, I, I saw this picture of a quarterback to play for the New York Giants. You know, the name Y.A. Tittle. Mm-hmm. And I think he was in a playoff game and he was on his knees and he was just bleeding all the way down. You may have seen the picture. Well, you see, to me, in that era, when a defensive line could, when he got to the quarterback, he could do some damage to you. Uh, in today's game, of course, you can't even blow on a quarterback, and otherwise it's a penalty. So those, like we were talking about statistics and, and saying the greatest of all time and, and all that, I always say they're the greatest of their time, just like you were saying. I think you, it's, I look at it in 10, 10 year intervals because the average player in the NFL in the last three and a half years. But when you get a guy playing quarterback, and, and, I, and I love them all, I misunderstand me, they're all great, but um, you can't make that comparison based on statistics. You know, I look at the, the the different generations, and I'll go back to my grandfather's generation. From in a baseball standpoint, I look at the game, and back then, you know, they they were riding trains from right. coast to coast, and uh, yeah, they were some tough guys. They were some tough guys, very physical. I mean, as soon as the season ended, Gramps told me many times. He said the season would end. He said, I had to go get a job in the offseason to, to support my family. Right. The, the game has come a long way, to say the least, and not only baseball, but but all athletics. Right. Um, then I grew up watching my dad play, right. and uh, those guys were tough. You know, they were beer drinking after the game, uh, carousing, causing chaos, but they right. were tough guys. They played hurt. You right. know, it, it wasn't a thing back then. Right. Uh, to, to have a minor injury. No, you're expected to tape it up and get out there. Right. Um, my generation still pretty tough. You know, we were tough guys. Yeah, it was start. You could see. From an ownership, from an, a franchise uh, 
perspective, right. they were starting to protect the players a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, at the end of my career, right. you know, but I, but I had grown up in that generation where, Hey, if it's not broken, you get out on the field and, and do the best job you can. Your right. teammates are depending on you. That's how, that's yeah. how I was as a player. Right. And now, everything seems to be about protecting the player. You know, if he's got a little of this, especially in baseball, right. man, he they'll put him on the 10 day IL. And I used to think 10 day IL, that was like going to jail for me. Like no yeah. way you're going to put me. That was just the mindset we had as players back right. there. Uh, if you can break that down in football terms and how you think each generation from your, from from your playing career to looking at the guys playing in 2023? Well, obviously, you know, injury, there's a difference between being injured and being hurt. You know, that's a big deal. But, you know, I do agree that, you know, as far as the being on the field when you're uh, hurt, it's a great big difference. You know, I mean, I, I, I've seen guys, you know, when, when, we, when I was playing, you know, guys were hurt. And, they, and in those days, if you had a knee, you're pretty much done because uh, the they didn't have the technology they have. You know, when I got there, I mean, if we had a knee and they, and you could see a guy had a zipper all the way down his knee just for, just for, just to get out a uh, cartilage or something like that. So, but I, I think the guys back those days, they were just so tough, you know, and they let up that, you know, they'd shoot them up with the cortisone and they'd go out there and play and, give it everything they had and uh, obviously would, you know, would limit their career, but they were out there all the time. And, and like you said, and then after the season, you know, you had to go get a job. I mean, I fortunately didn't have to do that, but when I came in in the era where it was just starting to, the NFL was still tar- starting to really take off with the uh, media and the exposure and the things that are available. But still, you know, you didn't have you didn't have retirement money. You just had money you could put away and then hope that you could do a deal, you know, or getting a business or something like that that could sustain you or go get a job, like you said. But um, the injuries, you know, I mean, I, for instance, I know I had a separated sternum for before a playoff game, and so hey, I didn't think I was going to be able to go be quite honest with you because, you know, every time I turned and twisted, you know, it hurt, hurt like heck. And so, and then what they wanted to do, they came into me and they said, well, listen, we, we think we can get you going. I was like, oh, okay, fine. And then um, he says, well, Dr. Lannon's going to come in and see you. I'm saying, oh. and then he goes in and he pulls out this needle about that darn long. And he was going to shoot me down in here with that needle. And that was going to numb me up. And I'm saying, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. So I just strapped up the, you know, the ribs and went out and played it. Hurt like crap. But those are the kind of things that we did back then that they wouldn't even think about doing now. No way in the world. It's a, it's a whole different game. And I'm not saying I blame them because of the money. I mean, from ownership to players. The money's so big, but what we were trying to do at the time was like, you know, the money you made during the season was, you know, you, that's what you lived on. The money you made in the pre in the pro season is the money you could put away. So, you know, a lot of guys we made a lot of decisions based on that. So, yeah, you're right. It's um, oh, big, big different times, you know, on both ends. Now the money's so great from both ends, you know, you get a little hurt, 
I mean, or something like that. You you know, you're out of the game for a couple of days, a couple of weeks or something. And Chuck, I don't know if you thought like I used to think as a player, mm-hmm. but I thought if I miss time, <laughs> that's going to cost me RBIs. That's going to cost me home runs. Mm-hmm. That's going to cost, you know, from a numbers perspective, right, that might keep me from, ah, I, I got to make the all-star team. This right. year, you know, because I need those credentials when I go and negotiate my contract. Right. So I thought if I'm going to drive in a hundred runs this year, well, if I, if, if I go on the IL for 15 days, well, that's going to deplete my chances of right. doing that. That's how I think players uh, of my generation, I think of your generation, that's how we thought. Like if I, right. if I'm not out there, I can't do anything. Right. Well, you know, the bonus money you had tied into your contracts. It's yeah. Like, I mean, it wasn't any guarantees. Well, at least for you, base, you ba- baseball players that, you got the pretty tough negotiators and got some. Well, yeah, I was going to say, we negotiated better than you guys. Yeah, you sure did. You did. Once, <laughs> you know, we got the worst pension in the, of all of sports. And But I, I, the one thing I always respected about baseball is the players. <laughs> Y'all some tough dudes when it came to negotiating. Y'all, you came out good in everything that you negotiated. But in football, you know, like you were saying, you know, everything, you know, we had to Okay, bonus money. You wanted to make sure you got those bonuses. How many yards or how many catches you had? All those things tied into my contract, and I wanted to make sure I got those because that was the one we you could put away. So it's a big, 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 big difference. And you know, and of course, like you say, today it's like um, um, there's so much money being made on the ownership side, and so much money being made on the player side. You know, that, you know, none, neither side wants to take a gamble on the injuries. Right. You know, and so they sit out and probably a smart thing, I guess. I don't know. But it's a whole different thing, man. You know, I don't, I don't know, though. I think if I reincarnated Chuck Foreman and said, Chuck, all right, I'm going to pay you X. And uh, you had a little bit of a, you know, injury. I, I still don't think. Oh, I'm going. The way we think, I don't think you're sitting out. No matter what, no matter how much money you're making, it's just kind of the way we're wired. I'm definitely going. And, you know, yeah. There's no question about that. I mean, like I said, if I'm just hurt, I'm going. And injury-wise, you know, especially being a running back, depending on where the injury was, you know, if it wasn't any of my lower extremities, I'm going. I mean, yeah. a top top part, yeah, I thought I could tough it out. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's that makeup that you have, you know, going into our, to our game, whether it's baseball, you know, football, hey, basketball, hockey, you know, you should get those, you got to have some tough guys on the team to set the standard of what you're going to do in times like that. We recently had on, on the, on the, on the Boone podcast, uh, we had Brett Favre and mm-hmm. he talked about the physicality uh, from the, just the beginning of his career to the end and what mm-hmm. it is today. He's, right. He said, you know, early he could get beat up as a quarterback and by the end, it, you could mm-hmm. barely touch him. Uh, we had a, a guy that played in, in your generation. It was Doug Plank, the safety for the yeah, Chicago I Bears. I played against Doug. And Doug talked about it. He said, Booney, I love it. He said, man, I could beat those guys up coming downfield before the ball was even in the air. You can't do that now. That's what and I he, right. He talked about the physicality of it, and, and mm-hmm. he was just out there for blood. And that's what he said. He said, I'm out there to, to run my helmet through your sternum. <laughs> and I asked him, I said, do you ever feel bad when you, when you injured somebody? He said, yeah, for a minute. <laughs> he said, but that was my job. That's how I was brought up. Well, uh, Doug Plank certainly was one of those physical players, no question about it, in our time. And he had certainly had that reputation. 
very aggressive. And for me, that was a good thing because I can make him miss. But, That's right. You know, but he was really, really aggressive. And he came out of Ohio State, too, I think, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, he had a reputation. Boy, he came to play every down. So, yeah, he was right. He could beat you up all the way downfield. A wide receiver, you know, they had to be able to get off the line, even for them to be effective. And if you couldn't do that, those guys get up there and bump and run you. You know, they don't even bump, hardly bump and run anymore. They are, you know, none of that because it's it's not allowed. But those guys used to bump you all, like you say, all the way downfield until the ball was released. And you try to get away from a guy like that with some with some talent knows how to how to do that. Not an easy thing. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card. Talk about the stadiums a little bit. Right. Stadiums as a kid, I remember I grew up in Veterans Stadium. Right. Uh, and in the winters, it was pretty cool because dad would take me to the ballpark. He'd have right. his workout, workout program. And then I'd pop out of the dugout and the Eagles are out there practicing. So right. I'm hanging out watching Jaworski and uh, – uh, Wilbert Montgomery and, right. and uh, Harold Carmichael. I remember those days. Yeah. It was a different era back then. It was normal for the for the baseball team to share the team with with the football team. Right. Uh, the cookie cutter stadiums, the uh, the the turf. Who has a young player? And here's a story for you, Chuck. I came mm-hmm. up. I played for the Seattle Mariners when I got mm-hmm. first got to the big leagues. It was right. in the King Kingdom, right. and he had that turf. Right. And then I went to Cincinnati and right. we had that turf. And as a young man, man, that turf was a lot of fun to play on. It was bouncy and it was a fast game. It was a step and a dive for me defensively. And I loved playing on the turf. It was right. a fast game offensively. And I had a teammate in Cincinnati. His name was Barry Larkin. Mm-hmm. And he came up to me and he said, Booney, he said, you like this turf? I said, Barry, I love this turf. And I'm 23, 24 years right. old. He goes, one day you're not going to love this turf. And he was right. I mean, years later, I'm going, wow. Give me right. on some natural grass. Um, talk about the stadiums in the NFL. I, I know you came, you uh, you went to college in Miami. Right. All of a sudden, you're in Minnesota. The right. polar opposites. Um, talk about the, the stadiums uh, of well, the 70s and the 80s. Obviously, you know, when it got cold and they, most of the stadiums were, were grass, but in the winter, especially playoff time, every field was frozen. Now, there were like Green Bay had some, uh, I think they had uh, their field was way, way before time because I think they had water running on it. It kept the, somehow it kept the ground kind of, you know, soft or softer than now, but most of it was, you know, just falling on concrete. And for us to throw out the field, you know, they had those flamethrowers at the time. You know, if you turn on TV, you oh, can see yeah, yeah. You know, they had those flamethrowers trying to throw out the field. And that's the way they used to do it back then. But, the, you know, I, I think the stadiums at the time were more fan friendly. And like you said, we shared the stadiums. You know, we shared those with the Minnesota Twins. And, of course, like you said, you know, we'd come in when the, the baseball season was over or when it was going on, you know, we would be in there and uh, – Switching, you know, you know, they come out field, we go right on. 
But but now we've got these great, beautiful stadiums here. It's, it's unbelievable. And the turf, like you said, was like you had concrete underneath, then you had a pad, and then you had the turf. So it was it was just like, like I said, falling on concrete, you know, for the most part. You know, I mean it felt good when you were when you were running on it, but it did some damage. Yeah, it, it's uh it, and I from a baseball perspective, from a young man, it, it was just mm-hmm. a quicker game. And and you mentioned it felt good to run on it. It felt like you were almost you were almost faster when you were running on it. Yeah, I think but you, I couldn't imagine the wear and tear it took on me just from cutting and jiving right, for right. so many years. The NFL would be, it would be a, at a different level because you're cutting and jiving and then getting driven <laughs> into the concrete by a, by a linebacker. So a little bit different. Nobody's tackling me. Right, and then back in those days when it first came out, you know, you start putting it you on. Know, first one was, I think it was the Houston Astrodome. Remember that? Yeah. It was like the state-of-the-art stadium, indoors right. and stuff like that. And then when you got in there to play on it, it was like, wow, this is this is like, fall, like I said, falling on concrete. It, was, it wasn't a fun thing to do. And then if you fell on it and you were sliding on it, it would take, it would rip your skin right off. You know this this new turf that they had at the beginning. It was horrible. I had I still got on my on my hand here. Um, you know you can still see where that skin came off on on my hands with that with that turf. So I wasn't a big fan of it. I, I'd rather be outside. As a, a running back, and and you mentioned a little bit earlier with yeah. with uh, Doug Plank, right. Did you look for contact or you look to avoid contact? You look, like you said, look to make a miss. No, no. It's like uh, I had a model of my coach at Miami, a guy by the name of Whitey Campbell, told me one thing because I went to Miami as a defensive tackle tight end. And then, of course, you know, but anyway, they switched me up after 40s and things like that. But Whitey Campbell, uh, he told me, he says, look, Chuck, you know, they can't hit what they can't touch. That was that was the model I ran by. So I wasn't giving you a good shot. So as far as the physical part of it, you know, to end the run, I'd get physical with you. But I wasn't looking to run over you. I was just going to run over you when the, when, when the run was pretty much over. I was going to deliver that blow instead of being having it delivered to me. You talk about you played you played on the defensive side of the ball in college, right. and that's an interesting thing for me. I I came out of the draft, and I was a shortstop. I, I went to USC, mm-hmm. and I remember going to my first pro little mini camp before they decide where they're going to put me in the minor leagues. Right. And you know we have our talk. All the new draftees right. and we're sitting on the bench in in front of the field. Mm-hmm. and the gentleman who I forget who it was, and he's kind of, all right, what we're going to do here the next four or five days, we're just going to work out, and then you're going to be dispersed to whatever team right. we deem fit. And he says to me, he says, all right, now take your positions. Mm-hmm. So I'm a shortstop in college. Right. I know, Chuck, <laughs> I can play short, but at the big league level, I know I'm a second baseman. Right. So I start running out to my shortstop position, and I hear a voice from behind me. He said, Boone? Go to second. And I said, <laughs> right. And and I was there to the day I retired at second base. I was comfortable there. You came out of the draft uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. Right. Did you have choices or yeah. was, was I, that going to be set for you? No, I at Miami, I played running back, cornerback, 
and wide receivers. So I was well-rounded, and every coach I had down there from one year to the next had some pretty good coaches. So actually, I think when the decision was made by me anyway, but what I'm thinking is like when I got to the college all-star games, well, you know, and then, of course, you know, at those times, there was the Johnny Rogers, the Greg Pruis, the Otis Armstrong, the people like that. They were had more PR than me. But I, I won every, I won every uh, MVP in all those games. And then when I got on the field and I saw these guys play, and I'm not talking about the guys I just mentioned right offhand, but I'm just saying, yeah, I can play with these dudes. You know, no question about it. And so, and then when I got drafted by the Vikings and uh, Jim Finks, he was the general manager at the time. He asked me, okay, now we got you. What position do you want to play? So even though I won those MVPs, he told me I could pick the position I wanted. And, of course, I chose the running back. 1973, your first year in the league, you're the rookie of the year. 1973 through 1977, you're, you're a pro bowler every year. Four times you're an all-pro. Uh, 75, you lead the league in receptions. And I think uh, you were known as a as one of the greatest receiving running backs of all time. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I'm about to tell you. Okay. Um, I, I That's what they say. Now I won. Right. Two, I won two MVPs in '75 and '76. I don't. I don't know if you get that in your thing, but and the reason I, of because I was a receiver, run, runner, receiver, I, we call it. You know. But in my time, when they evaluated me, you know, playing fullback position, they only. Evaluate, evaluate you by the yards from scrimmage. So all the other stuff that I did outside of that, you know, that's like they threw that in the garbage can. So, yes, you're right about me being, you know, uh, one of the first to do it the way I did it. But before me, there was a guy named Lenny Moore. There was a guy named Tom Matt. Heck, Jim Kitt could do it there at the Miami Dolphins. But uh, never got any credit for that. And what we call the purple offense, they called it the West Coast offense with San Francisco. And, you know, they got all the credit for our for our offense. So, yeah, it was a way before its time. And when Bud put Bud and Jerry Burns put that offense in, they told me, Bud told me, he says, you know, you're going to be one of the best, but you'll never get credit for it. He was right. Wow. Yeah. But thanks for bringing it up because, you know, not, we're hearing about it today, like the traditional running back. They're trying – I always think they're going to be needed, but they're kind of making them, like, uh, obsolete or that they're not that important. And now the runner-receiver is the guy that they're looking for. Well, we were doing that long ago. Celebrations today in sports. Mm -hmm. uh, you seem to be a guy that scored a touchdown and handed the football to the, right. to the referee. Uh, I kind of was – I had a little more flair, but I kind of <laughs> – when something happened, yeah, uh, we win a game, walk off. I, I tried to – my emotions, I didn't want to let anybody see me excited. Believe me, 
Chuck, sometimes uh, fireworks are going off inside me. Yeah. And when I get into the dugout and we get behind where the cameras are gone, uh, that's going to come out and I'm going to celebrate with my teammates. But I always felt weird pumping my fists or running around the bases, making a, I always wanted to, I thought to myself, never show emotion, never Mm -hmm. smile, never get excited, never laugh. Mm -hmm. That's for your teammates and that's for for nobody else to see. Uh, that was just me. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Right, right. Things change. Generations are different. I watch the guys today and I go, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't do that. But right. now I'm kind of used to it. And my I have a young son that plays in the minor leagues. Right. And, and that's way the way the guys are today. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about it? I, I'm telling you my story from a uh, baseball standpoint. How right. about football? And baseball's starting to get. It seemed to me like the NFL uh-huh. Did a lot of celebrations, a lot of touchdown yeah. dances, yeah. and now baseball's kind of taking that form. Yeah, wait, wait, you got wait. baseball players doing doing dances when they get a base hit to right. Right. Well, I see a lot of things baseball players do with the hands and the, all that yeah. stuff. And all that. But I got to tell you a story real quick. Uh, when I was at the University of Miami, we playing. There was a guy that played for the University of Houston named Elmo Wright. He's a great college receiver. Played with the Kansas City Chiefs. But he got his reputation um, with the be- being one of the first to celebrate in the end zone. You know, he'd get out there and do this dance and all that stuff. And so um, when I was at the University of Miami, I scored touchdowns. And then I said, well, I'm going to try this. And, you know, and I did this thing like he did. And then when I was done, I was like, boy, this, I, I feel like a fool. I mean, you know, like, why am I doing this? It was totally uncomfortable for me to do that. I never did anything like that again. I thought that was like the the thing to do because he was doing, he was supposed to be the best in high, in college football. And it just didn't fit with me in the way I, I did things. So I never celebrated again. But the celebrations, I don't know, I mean, in my time, um, you celebrate and embarrass a guy after you score a touchdown, uh, you definitely would be a target. You know, no question about it. Yeah, we're definitely uh, <laughs> we're definitely playing at a different generation. Right. I see some of these home run celebrations now, and I think back to when I was coming up, and I remember my first one of my early games was against Roger Clemens. Right. And man, I got my first at bat. I hit a bullet up the middle mm-hmm. off him, and my next at bat, he hit me in the head. Right. And that's just how it was back then. It was different. Right. It was, hey, don't you come up as a young player and right. and take that big swing off me. I'll show you who's in charge. That's well, the way. It's just not like that anymore. And so. that little baseball, in my opinion, is dangerous. But, you know, I got to say this to you about the baseball. I was telling you, you know, I had an experience. I used to love some baseball. My father was a great baseball player, but I love baseball too. But I just had a bad experience when I was in Babe Ruth League, all-star team and all that stuff. And something happened there, and, and I never picked up a glove again. You know, really? that, yeah, no. So, but I'm not going to get into the whole thing. But that's why I stopped playing baseball. But I, you know, baseball was, you know, when we were kids, everybody baseball was was the that was the thing playing baseball. So, a great game. It's interesting to me. All right, yeah. let me let me just put Chuck Foreman, if I could. I'm going to put you in a baseball uniform real quick. Yeah. Would it bother you getting in the box today with a guy throwing 97, 98? Now, as a now you're you're an NFL guy. You right. you've, you've got hit a lot of times. Right. Would that would you be worried about 
getting hit with a 97, 98 mile an hour pitch. Yes, would that I would. Back your mind. Yes, I would, especially if the guy didn't have control. There were some guys that throw that ball. I don't know at the pro level, but I remember when I was younger, he had this guy. He had he was a flamethrower. He could throw that ball, but he was wild. And that pitch would come in there. Like I, I didn't like going up against him. But yeah, you're right. Um, that baseball, I don't know. You had to have some nerve to be in there at 97. But, but Chuck, that that it cracks me up hearing right. that. Do you have any problem going across the middle in the NFL? No, I, I right. Not- I'm scared to death. Oh, no. Yeah, well, you know, but I'm just saying that baseball coming at you, I'm like, what the heck? And I'm seeing and I, when I do watch baseball, and then when I see, I forgot who the, who the pitcher was, but I don't know, it hit like 100 miles an hour or something like that. I'm like, ain't no way I'm going to be in there facing that. You know what I mean? So, I, yeah, I think baseball players, they might do this little celebration. Maybe been hit upside the head once or twice. But, <laughs> but some of the things they do now, I, I don't know how they keep up with all the different teams have different celebrations. I different saw handshakes. I saw something the other day, last night on sports on the sports show. And then unlike I've ever seen I mean, football is here, but somebody had a hit a home run. And now they got these things they put on their head and they prance around the dugout now. Yeah. So baseball, I gotta give the players credit. You know, they some creative dudes. Isn't it funny though? Now we're starting, we're getting kind of used to it and we're right. right. Probably at heart. Both of us are old school guys. Like we don't do it that way, but we're so used to seeing it in sports. Now we're even laughing at it. Like, yeah, yeah, like it is. Said it. look how creative they're getting, you know, but, but that's, that's today's game. Yeah, it is. And you know, like I said, they are creative and talented also. And I'm not taking, you know, we got to give them credit for that. Some of these guys, you know, uh, what's his name? The young man plays for the Angels. Yeah, I, I can't even pronounce his name. Oh, oh you got uh, Shohei Otani. Otani, yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Him, unbelievable baseball player. Uh, I mean, you know, when he's on now, you know, I tune him in. You know, I mean, he might be pitching, he might be batting, but either way, you know, he's going to do something. There's a lot of them in there like that. I think a lot of great baseball players and just great athletes. Yeah, you know, and I think baseball's taken away from some guys that used to play football. They're not playing football; they're playing baseball. You know, I mean, baseball's boy. They got some great athletes over there. Yeah, because you mentioned the the average uh, career of an NFL player is a lot lower than, yeah, than baseball. Yeah. So you're right; the 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 uh, elite athlete right. might. They not might choose baseball from mm-hmm. a longevity standpoint. It still right. cracks me up though when when football players and you know I look at these football players. I look at hockey players, these right. tough guys, yeah. and us baseball players. You know we're kind of wimpy when it comes to the big sports. But I always hear you guys. You're scared of the of of, of a 98 mile an hour fastball, and I just think, well, these guys are growing across the middle, getting their head cut off by a, by a safety which scares me to death but i'll tell you there's not a fastball on this earth that could scare me i don't care who you are yeah. Nolan ryan bring it you're not going to scare me you're not going to intimidate me with a pitch if i get hit i get hit it's not a big deal but oh, nfl yeah. i'm not going across well i guess i would go across the middle but i'd be a little bit hesitant you'd be hesitant but i'm telling you this you're not getting me any batter's box at no 98 miles <laughs> <laughs> simple as that you know very cool i want to talk about the hall of fame okay 
a lot of people think Chuck Foreman should be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I have my druthers about the Baseball Hall of Fame. I mm-hmm. don't agree with the, the the way it's run, mm-hmm. the way it's handled. I think there should be a lot of a lot more yeah. guys that aren't in the Hall of Fame from yeah. a baseball standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I want to hear your version of it. <clears throat> when it comes to the NFL, they do it a little bit differently than baseball. Baseball sends out a ballot. There's people that right. they vote, they send the ballot in football's a, I, I think a smaller unit and they debate it more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but your thoughts, the current system, how it could be better and your candidacy. Cause I, and I do think at this stage, there's a lot of kind of an under an undercurrent of Maybe we should consider a little bit more Chuck Foreman to the to the uh, NFL Hall of Fame. Well, I, I don't know how they. Uh, I don't know about. I hear about the selection process. I don't know much about the selection process. I think every guy that's in there, you know, should should be there. No question about it. But you know, my thing is that there are are people that played. Well, like I said, I played fullback, but there were there are people in there. How can I put it? All right, you take my receiving part of my game alone. I got more receptions than some of the guys in there in the receiving part of it. And one guy only has like one thousand more yards than me from this receiving aspect of his game. But when you combine my game and the time I played and in my opinion, nobody did it the way we did it here in Minnesota. And so I don't know how they select. I hear stories about how they select. Uh, At first I heard the longevity thing. And now we're saying the longevity of a running back is what three and a half years, maybe, you know, they're saying after five years, you start to go down. Well, okay. That's all fine and dandy too. But, you know, I have no clue whatsoever and how how that works. I, I, you know, <laughs> you know, you vote for my guy this time and I vote for your guy next time. I think that's pretty much how it works for for the NFL. But, you know, it doesn't go a day doesn't go by, uh, Brett, that people automatically assume that I'm in there. And when I tell them, no, I'm not. I had a guy introduce me last night at a function downtown Minneapolis. And he says, hey, Hall of Famer Chuck Foreman. I'm like, hey, man, I'm not I'm not in the Hall of Fame, you know. <laughs> so, you know, but I get that every day. So I don't know what they do and how they do it. But you, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, too, though, Brett. I'm not sitting here losing sleep. You know, I got a great life. And so I'm pretty really happy with my accomplishments in the game, especially at my time and the way we changed the game uh, during our era. And so that's something that's documented and like you, you brought it up and it's, you know, and I appreciate that because people, you know, when they see, talk about, I'm telling you, they talking about the multi-purpose back and I'm like, all right, I thought they were going to mention my name, but Hey, they didn't mention my name. I'm the guy that set the standard. So there you go. Played in three Super Bowls in your career. This is brought up in, in all sports, World Series, uh, NBA championships, Super Bowl, obviously the big game in the NFL. How hard it is to win a Super Bowl. And people have no idea how hard it is to win a World Series. I've got, you know, I've got buddies and, and great, great players that not only they 
get to a World Series, let alone win one. Right. I've got some buddies that have won four. Right. And I could say I, I tell them every time I see him, consider yourself very lucky. Right. Uh I had Andre Reed on the program, mm-hmm. obviously the great Buffalo Bill. Right. Right. Played in four straight Super Bowls, lost all four. And I asked him about that. I said, you know, it's I played in one World Series, 1999. We got swept mm-hmm. by the Yankees. I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was it was an unbelievable place uh experience I, I was sitting in yankee stadium and i could close my eyes and i knew i was somewhere special game four right. world series old yankee stadium there's something special right. about it you got to play in three i asked andre about it i asked thurman thomas about it they gave me a similar mm-hmm. answer uh would you trade it you lost three but you went to three and that's that's pretty awesome in itself right well you know and as a player, you know, I'm sure the guys from Buffalo feel the same way. You know, you go to one. I mean, I thought when we played the Miami Dolphins, you know, I thought they were, you know, you know, being in Miami, watching them play, I, I thought they were a better team, no question about it. We lost to them. But the the other two, Pittsburgh and o- Oakland, I never thought they were much – they were a better team than we were. I never really thought that regardless. Of, but we lost them. You know, and then the third one I lost, like, you know, that to me was the most difficult one to accept because I didn't think that we could lose three in a row. And then, of course, Buffalo comes around and loses four in a row, so they kind of took our spot. But when you lose the Super Bowl, it's like you were never – at the Super Bowl, because you were just like one of the other teams, even though it, you know, to get there is, is a very difficult thing to do in, in our sport or in any sport. Like you said, the World Series or, you know, the Stanley Cup or whatever. You know, I mean, it's a very difficult thing. All Everything has to be in play to get there. And so all the people you have involved and, and things like that to get to these Super Bowls, and you bust your butt to get there. And then if you do lose, you know, it's almost like, you know, you weren't there because they don't, when they talk about the Super Bowl, they talk about, of course, the winning team, but they never talk about what it takes to to get to that game. And I, like you said, you know guys, I know guys that played all their careers, never even came close to a Super Bowl. And when you look at all the te- there's a lot of teams that have never been to a Super Bowl, so – yeah, it's a very elite place to be, but, you know, I wish we could have won one, but very proud of what we did to get there. I mean, it, it's a difficult thing to do. 2007 Ring of Honor for the Minnesota Minnesota Vikings. Big day? Got to be cool. I mean, you played yeah. your whole career there. You were a star there. Right. Uh, and that was years ago for you now. But when you initially, you know, when you think, uh, Chuck Foreman, what you did, you look at your yeah. resume. Yeah, of course, I'm going to be in the ring of honor one day. But when you finally get the call, go in in front of the, the city you played in front of. Okay. Uh, how was that for you? That was a great, great big honor, you know, considering the, the the franchise and everything about it and the great players we've had up here. And to be finally brought into the Ring of Honor was, was you know, my great achieve, greatest achievement as far as pro football goes and all the guys that I played with and even guys before, before me. So, yeah, that was a big day. My mother was there. My family was there. My brothers, my kids. 
it was a it was a big big day for for me and one that I really cherish and you know like you, you, we got a new stadium and then when you go when you go into the stadium you know and then you see your name up around there you know you know it's a real special it's a real special feeling so it, it, it you, you know it's a good place great place to be and you know and I and I'm uh, you know I'm always going to be there with my Vikings, you know, and we we're hoping that they can, you know, get to another Super Bowl, maybe win one. But yeah, the Ring of Honor, that's the place that I most want to be. Well, Chuck Foreman, uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. This was a lot of fun uh, catching up. Uh, voted one of the 50 greatest Vikings of all time mm-hmm. ring of honor for the Minnesota Vikings and hopefully soon one day he's going to get into the NFL Hall of Fame uh, definitely one of the best to ever do it and I appreciate you coming on the Boom Podcast it was a lot of fun for those of you out there listening to the Boom Podcast thanks for listening and we'll see you next time <laughs>